I think my my only piece of advice that I can give to young entrepreneurs, young professionals is to keep going. Uh, don't allow yourself to be denied. Don't listen to the, the negative thoughts inside your head and just wherever you're going through, power through. Uh, continue to plug and connect with like-minded individuals and seek them out. Seek out community. Uh, get to know yourself better than anyone else and really like i said find that environment community of like-minded people Welcome back to the Pursuit of Property podcast. Today, we are sitting across the table from our good friend, Khalil Dillard. He is a licensed real estate agent, serial entrepreneur, and host of the Rip Off and Duplicate podcast, which we were just on the other week. So, dude, we get to return the favor. We get to have our boy KD on. So, bro, how are you doing? Absolutely, man. It's a pleasure to be here. Pleasure to be working with you guys again. Uh, awesome to be in this setting. You guys got a dope studio. So, excited to run it back. And, and bring some value to your audience and uh, let everyone get a chance to learn a little bit more about me as well. Dude, I was back. Let's I go. I told Cade, I said it was really difficult <laughs> to go on your podcast and not ask you questions because I'm used to asking the questions. So it works out that you're here and we can now ask you some of the stuff you asked us and really get your opinion on it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is uh, honestly my first time being another guest on another podcast. So this is oh, new for me. Let's go. Last time asking you guys all the questions, you know, I've been lately I've been feeling like I want to tell more. I want to tell more about myself. So very fortunate to be here, uh, be able to grace your audience with some of my knowledge and information as well. Damn. So it's your first time being the guest, not the host. The guest, not the host. Not too many people do, you know, the entrepreneurial podcast, uh, you know, in our area. So there's not many options to go yeah. on. So, you know, it's it's us in, in our city, probably a few other guys, but not that many to choose from. Yeah. Damn. Dude. Well, before we get into it, the biggest thing, uh, and I'll say, even before I think I met you that I, that I had already known like, dude, this guy, the vibe in the word was he's a fucking hustler, dude. He's got all these side hustles going on. He's bringing in multiple streams of income while he's building his real estate business, which is something we've always attested to. We've gone through on a much smaller scale. Um, but dude, can you tell us a little bit about your background and a little bit about yourself? And then we'll jump into, you know, kind of the meat of everything. Absolutely, man. Uh, so a little bit about me. I'm born and raised in the Central Valley, born in Modesto, California. California. Uh, a lot of my, a lot of my nature or my background. The reason why I hustle so hard is, is because I was born with to a single parent, single mom. She was only 12 years old when she had my brother and I. So starting off life, just it, it wasn't a damn cakewalk for us. We had to learn how to grow up very fast and take on responsibilities very early. And so just being in that environment in Modesto, it's it's a very similar city to Fresno, smaller. Uh, we always, my mom instilled in us, you know, work hard. She didn't allow us to mess around in the streets, even though that's what other kids in the neighborhood may have been doing. She really, she didn't shelter us, but she did her best to shelter us at that age. And it mm -hmm. really does take a village uh, to raise to raise children in that kind of environment. So there's a lot of people who, you know, helped my mom out, who helped us out. And maybe at that time being young, we didn't even notice. But now looking back at it and some of the success I've had is really uh, because that village of people who, who helped raise us, definitely. Wow, I think that has to be probably one of the youngest moms that I know of 
personally. That Twins has, as well. That and that's crazy. <laughs> I don't want to pry too much, but I mean, how did that kind of shape your upbringing into coming into like the business world? It sounds like you know, you, like you said, you had to grow up pretty quick. Absolutely, just being in that environment, like it, it's the ghetto. There's no other way to put it. You know, just being in that environment and seeing the things that are growing, that are going around in the neighborhood. I think that my brother, luckily, I had someone to share that experience with me, and it wasn't a, a dark and lonely place. Uh, and for some of some of the parents that are in that kind of environment, for them, it's a dark and lonely place. So, uh, luckily, as as a child. I didn't have to experience that alone. So I would say my uh, just seeing everything that was going around and and the environment at a very young age, I always thought to myself, man, there's got to be something better. There's got to be something more than whatever the hell is going on in this in this place. Mm-hmm. And so I always just, you know, late, late at night in my thoughts, how can I get out of this? What can I do to be a, a good citizen, a good person of the community? And then ultimately where I'm at now, how can I give back to the community that gave so much to me? Dude, so how does that transition even start from, you know, all your childhood and growing up and then growing up, like Scott had said, and you had said growing up super quick and then now using that as a vehicle in the business world? How did that transition kind of happen from childhood to then becoming in the, you know, a serial entrepreneur in the business space? Great question, man. Uh, I just... I, we, we got a big family, you know, single parent. We got a, a younger sister, younger brother. My sister's got a baby. My aunt's got kids. There's got to be somebody who sets the standard, who breaks those generational curses and, and really continues to push forward. Uh, if, if me and my brother didn't do it, there was no one else that we could look up to who did it before us. So one of us had to do it. Uh, we're the first men in our family, never been arrested, never, never been inside of jail. Uh, and it might sound crazy, but when you come from that environment, you know, that's all you really know. So, you know, still daily, I think we're working hard to to not listen to that voice in the back of your head that, oh, you know, you're not supposed to be here because I really feel like I've worked my whole life, you know, to take care of my family and to put them and to really use them as my why to so I can continue going on this entrepreneurial journey. Yeah. Well, can you share, I mean... I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to spitball here, but if I feel like if I was in that spot, my first thought would not be take on massive risk and become a business owner. How did you even get started in like running businesses instead of like, like how I started was I went and worked like really crappy, you know, nine to five, you know, restaurant jobs. Like, it seems like you kind of took a route of going more as the owner. How did you even start that? So when I was about, when we were about seven years old, uh, we played football, Pop Warner football, uh, neighborhood team. There is a guy, and this guy's uh, been a very huge instrument in my life, mentor, father figure. Um, he was a white guy from the Bay Area. He brought his son to play football in the ghetto because that's what he was used to in the Bay Area. He wanted his son to grow up around, you know, in a diverse in a diverse environment, learn some skills and make him tough. And we made this kid tough as hell. <laughs> and, and it was our first year playing some small white guy is our first year playing football. We didn't know how to play. So we all sat the bench together. Uh 
I got to know him, his family. My brother and I got to know him, his family, uh, go on trips with them. And they and they really took us out of the environment that we were in and showed us something else. And he happened to sell real estate. So this was my introduction to real estate. Mm. I guess from a he brought us into a real estate house. And this was during the, you know, 2007, 2008. So real estate wasn't booming. He he sacrificed a lot. Uh, to take care of us in that moment when he wasn't doing really well. So seeing, you know, how hard he was willing to work in in his business, the only thing I can really think of once it was time to go to college is like, hey, I'm going to get my real estate license and grind as well, and you know, make make a little bit of money on the way uh, on the way there. So I never, I've always been a leader. I've never been one to follow. So it was like, hey, I can either go work for somebody or I can start it myself and get something going. At least if I can get the income, I can you know, create the cash flow, give it back to my family. And ever since then, that's exactly what I've been doing. Touch more on that. So you, you said this guy brought his kid down to play football with you. And then he just like, because you guys are friends with his son, he kind of brought you and your brother into the game and just was showing you what he was doing. Absolutely. And th- we were only about eight, nine, eight, nine year old, nine years old. He essentially adopted us after that first season. You know, like I said, my mom was really young. And so, you know, my brother and I were only eight years old. We had to make the decision, you know, so my mom can go out, continue to go to school, continue to work. Uh, and we're like, hey, hey, mom, you know, maybe maybe we should just go spend a little bit of time over here. Mm-hmm. You know, great neighborhood, great schools. A community of people that that really showed us love and care in that moment and so he was like our first real real estate mentor everything I've learned I still in real estate a lot that I've learned I attribute to learning that at a young age and growing up in that environment because you know as you guys all know that was not an easy time to be selling real estate then mm-hmm. and we were eating chicken and rice the whole time we lived so it wasn't like you know, we, we went from one a shitty environment to just a different kind of environment. Yeah. You know, he's still grinding, hustling. He's got he had four other kids of his own. So it was a big Dude. house, big family. Wow. Dude. And that's amazing to me. And I think it's a testament and you can touch on it more than I can. But just the importance of having those right people in your life, dude. And like you were talking about touching more on your why, like those people, you know, taking you under their wing and having your mission be how can I provide for my family and how can I provide for other people just the way other people did for me when I was coming up. Absolutely. And and man, exactly what you said right there is just we always had people and and I try to be that for other people as well, because I know my life wouldn't be nearly what it what it is um, without those people who stepped in and played that role. Because, you know, single parent, no dad, it's hard to kind of it's harder to learn how to be be a man become a man when there's no father figure so yeah i just try to be as good of a person role model resource to others because it wasn't there for me and that's how i kind of go with my entrepreneurial journey dude Dude, that's so cool i i don't think either of us knew any about that Uh -uh. um well, I mean, talk to us then. It sounds like you went to college and you, you got your real estate license that way. Was that your first business? So, yeah, I got my real estate license in college because I, I kind of, my godfather back at home, he was always telling us, just get your license. Even if you're not using it, get your license. Well, I really needed to use my license 
at one point in time in college because I was dead broke. I had no money. So I was like, what can I do? Who can I reach out to that can be a resource to me? I was in a fraternity. So the, the first thing I did was reach out to a fraternity alumni. I said, hey, do you guys know anybody that I can work with or uh, that you guys know from the area since I'm not from here that I might work well uh, with together? And I got a few recommendations out. Uh, the first person I worked with here in Fresno was Darren Zuber. They were at the KW office, and that was a great start to my real estate career. It really put me around some people who were established, knew what they were doing, and I was able to learn quickly. Mm -hmm. And so you started with the Zuber team, and then were you selling houses while you were in school, or were you more holding your license? I know it sounded like you were kind of just suggested to get your license regardless. Mm -hmm. I was selling. I was selling while I was in school. I, on that, my, the first two years of my of me selling real estate, I was selling about five to six houses on average the first two years, which was decent. But yeah. be, being on a team, you know, it's a different kind of split than a solo agent. But I was able to navigate a lot through, you know, just getting those houses out. Uh, I have no college debt. So, you know, coming from the environment we're in, my brother and I were fortunate enough to not take on any college debt. We worked our asses off during college. We had fun during college, but we worked uh, in order, you know, so we didn't want to pay anybody. I hate owing people. So that's why I take the value of working hard very serious so we can just get our shit done and and you know continue to move and talk about the progression there a little bit because you start with the zuber team and then how does your real estate business start to grow from there what's kind of the timeline and when does the first kind of side hustler first kind of other stream of income start to come in in that time Absolutely. So the progression of real estate, um, I believe I got licensed in 2018, around there, 2018. Uh was just an average, uh, an average, you know, salesperson then selling four to five houses a year. Um, as I hit my senior year of college, I kind of made a transition from uh, one team to a different team. Started working with Lindsay Vasquez and her team. Uh, it was a more of an opportunity for me to work closely with a, a rock star listing agent. Kind of learn their systems and. I, I kind of learned a lot. I learned a lot from Lindsay. Added what she knew into my repertoire of business, and then it kind of became a COVID hit. COVID hit during that time. Real estate was kind of at a weird point in the beginning of COVID. Nobody knew what was going to go on, so I was like, "Shit, I got to make a transition." I started working for Amazon as a driver because I could work four days a week. I could uh, work these weird flexible hours to where I could still show houses on the weekends yeah. or in the afternoons. And the good thing about working for Amazon during COVID was they paid you for a full eight hours, whether you worked, uh, whether you worked six hours, seven, you always got full, uh, paid for the full eight. If you went over, you got paid for 10. You got to go home during the pandemic right after you delivered all your packages. So I became one of the best delivery people in this area. I would deliver all my packages, go home, get my, all my other work done, continue, continue to grind. Saved up the money that I had from Amazon, then invested in my first business, which was the party rental business. And then from there, I was still selling real, got more time freedom because I'm not driving the truck anymore, was able to build out the systems for the water slide business, and then continue to sell real estate like I have been doing. Dude, there's gonna be a lot to unpack here, but let's keep going. So you get your, you got out of Amazon driving and you said, I wanna be the owner again. You invested into the uh, slide business. Mm -hmm. How, what? How did you even know to go into a water slide business? Uh, okay, I, I, okay, I can share this here. Um, so, 
I'm, I'm very adventurous with my life. There's a lot that I don't know about myself. So there's a lot of seeking that I'm, I'm you know, trying to do as an, as an older man so I can know, you know, who I am, who I really am, more about, you know, my life, generation, and whatnot. So during that, I went on, like, this psychedelic journey. And in that psychedelic journey, at the end of it, I kid you not, I woke up and I was like, inflatables rentals like this is going to be this is this is the way party rentals on on my whiteboard when i woke up i had sincal water slides up there i knew sincal because a lot of people from modesto this area sincal trucks sincal sincal all this stuff so i'm like okay sincal party rentals the name was already taken so okay sincal water slides we'll just do seasonal it'll allow me to make a an influx of money during the season invest that money elsewhere, continue to grow. So that's what I did there. Okay, dude, that is freaking awesome. So <laughs> dude, you wake up on the whiteboard, St. Cal water slides. Do you, do you buy an existing business or do you buy just the equipment and start it up or, or how does that work? And then how, like how prop, cause I know when we'll get to it, you end up selling this mm-hmm. business and like, how, how was that just from start to finish from owning to then selling it? So even though I wanted to start the business, I had a little bit of money saved up from Amazon, but I didn't have enough money to fully invest in this business. Luckily, you know, I was in a fraternity in college. I have a great group of friends. We all support each other. Uh, everyone needs friends. I'll, I'll, I'll just say this straight up. If your friends are not willing to support you, whether that be financially, if they can, uh, financially, emotionally, spiritually, if they can't support you in the things that you really believe in, then most likely they, they aren't really your friends. I was able to go to my close friend group, tell them my idea, pretty much pitch them. And I said, hey, man, have you guys here's the deal. If you guys give me, you know, I believe it, one of my friends gave me a thousand bucks. I said, hey, at the end of the summer. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give you 2,500. One of my other friends gave me 800 bucks, so I was doubling their money. I'm like, this is faster returns than, than the stock market. You know, no one's gonna be able to give you this. So they gave me money, trusted in me, able to use that as a down payment. I uh, the way I found the water slide business was a fraternity brother. Um, I had put it out there that I was looking for inflatables. A fraternity brother's uncle had hit me up and said, "Hey, I'm I'm actually selling all my water slides," and he let me sell or finance them for a small for a small down payment. So I was able to accelerate the growth of that business a lot quicker than just having to put you know all the money down on the business, dude. <laughs> I feel like we're brushing over so many things so quickly. How did you know what the hell seller financing was? Because I was selling real estate. I figured if you could seller finance a house, there's no, like, if you can seller finance, the same problems exist in, in owning small businesses that exist in owning real estate for, for owners. So, you know, there's all, there's small business owners who are neglected, who, who are tired of working, just like when looking for distressed properties, you know, they just they just don't want to do it anymore. So they're looking for young entrepreneurs, someone who actually has the resources, time and money to come in and and add that to their business. Wow. So you you bought it, so you crowdfund the down payment, you seller finance that and then you got it started. How did you do your first summer? Oh, my first summer, we <laughs> killed it. So my first, I was delivering water slides out of my- I, rem- I remember you delivering them because you'd stop by KW and be mm-hmm. like, ah, I just finished delivering all my water slides for the day. <laughs> so I would start at seven o'clock. It was me and a few close friends. Of course, I'm paying everyone. Uh, the first the first few weeks I was delivering out of my friend Carson. He, he initially gave me some money as well. His truck, I uh, still have to fix the latch on his truck, but <laughs> broke his latch. He was letting me use his truck. 
I would pay him to use his truck. And then about the third week came and I'm driving down doing a delivery and on the side of the road. And remind you, we had no trailer. We're throwing water slides into the bed of the truck. Six water slides going out and delivering them all before one o'clock. We're driving one day on the side of the road. There's a, a Ford F-150 1990 for sale. 1500 bucks. Well, we were making 1500 bucks a day doing water slide rentals. So went to the bank, got the guy didn't speak any English. Week three, now I had a truck. Now all I needed was a trailer. Found a trailer online. Uh, the guy ended up liking me. It was listed for 1200 bucks. Sold it to me for 700 because I was a young entrepreneur. So I was getting deals, finding deals because I was actively looking for deals. You know, I wouldn't let anyone tell me no. The I, I, I don't let money become an issue. I don't let money, not having money or the lack of money be a reason why I can't move forward. And a lot of people do. So I just kept pushing. So that first summer, I think we started the business for... We sell our finance to business for like, I think it was $2,500 down. We received about 18,000 in assets. I bought a truck, bought a trailer. I think the total assets went up to, for that business the first year, around 25,000. Uh, it reminds you, we started this off for 2,500 bucks and now I got leverage. And so we, we pumped out almost 100 deliveries uh, the 100 deliveries the first year, average sales price of like 275. We're charging mile delivery fees, mileage. So there's a lot of extra charges that we're getting uh, in this business as well. So we made quite a bit, quite a bit of money the first year. I think the first year we we probably broke even at 22,000 in one summer. You broke even in three months. Yeah, one summer. That's pretty sick. And then that will, and I think that's why it led me to sell the business so quickly as well, because I already had made my money back. And so it's like, what's the next thing that I can do? COVID's now over. Uh, managing employee a business with employees for the first time. <sighs> Shit. <laughs> I don't think I'll, unless it's a team aspect, I don't think I'll ever do employees again. Really? Because the, the, uh, just you, you don't have control over... I know how much I like money. I know how much the business was make how much money the business was making me. Other people aren't as invested as you are, especially in those service-based businesses. Yeah. So you have to be either ready and willing to do the work yourself when other people aren't. And I was luckily, but it got to a point where I was like, uh, let me just get my money back. So who did you sell it to? Another so so uh, I posted it online on my Instagram and then Tons of people were hitting me up because everyone was seeing I was going on deliveries every weekend during the summer. It's Fresno. It's 105 in the summertime. Everyone kind of knew. But I sold it to a, a brother duo entrepreneurs here in Fresno. And did you sell it on terms or did you sell it? Nope. All cash. Came to my house. All cash. Took the, uh, took the trailer, left the truck and left me two water slides. So I still have two more water slides to sell. Dude. And what when you sold? Did you sell? Was were you profitable when you sold it? Yeah, hell yeah, man! I was profitable when I sold it. Paid all my bo my my boys back. Uh, went and had a nice lunch. We had bought the vending machine business right after, so it was like me rolling over that money into a new business as well. Talk us through the next one. This is like <laughs> let's go. This is like a deal analysis, but business. Yeah. So, so you you sold and you immediately bought your next business. It was vending machines. You sold and immediately bought the next business, which which is the vending machine business that my brother and I own uh, same situation uh, we we just everyone kind of knows about vending machines but no one actively pursues vending machines it's like something like oh you know there's a machine in this place I wonder who owns it well uh, 
my brother and I, we were looking on Twitter. We were kind of seeing all these articles about young entrepreneurs who were doing vending. And uh, so we, we kind of looked at it and we're like, this is something that we can do. So just by fate, I kid you not, a, a high school teacher of ours, she sees one of my podcast videos. She knows that we're entrepreneurs. She calls my brother. Hey, I got a family friend uh, of ours that is looking to sell their vending machine business. It's not a fit for me, but it may be a fit for you. So my brother and I were like, shoot, let's take a look at it. They had they had owned the business for 30 years. So they had a ton of financials on the business. Um, they were farmers. This was their side gig that turned into main gig mm -hmm. real fast. Um, but they were retiring and needed young entrepreneurs, again, to kind of take over that business. And so my brother and I were we kind of analyzed the deal. Uh, all right, I'll, I'll tell you guys the, deal, the structure of the deal. We bought... 15 locations and over 50 machines, $150,000. The business already, uh, the business was already cash flowing about, depending on the quarter, depending on the quarter, Q1 to Q2 to Q3, Q4, uh, around Q1, it cash flows around 9,000 bucks. So that's around 3,000 bucks a month. Uh, and none of these machines have card readers on them as well. So already in locations, all cash, all cash businesses, all cash business. Already in, a, uh, already in location, so my brother and I saw the opportunity to come in, add the technology into this business, so we're able to accept more more cash. And so, it, we've only owned the business for a month. We took it over in January. January, just by adding the card readers to the business, we upped the monthly cash flow uh, from our historic data mm -hmm. from previous January, 3,000 bucks. So we made an additional 3,000 bucks in January. Doubled it. Doubled it. In a recession. In a recession. Where the value, where the cost of all the goods is more expensive, so your profit margin naturally should shrink. And well, get this: they had not raised the prices. Of, they owned they owned these these machines in thirty years. They had not raised the prices at all. So we immediately went in there, raised the prices. Oh yeah, inflation. So that's how we got that additional three thousand was we was from raising the prices on all of our machines on on all of our locations. Dude, both of, it's so fucking cool, dude, because both of those things, just like how we look at like an investment deal for a house, like value add, right? Something that's distressed, mm -hmm. something with an owner that wants to get out, wants to get rid of it. You're coming in, you're adding value, you're putting in sweat equity to mm -hmm. these businesses, and dude, you're turning around and fucking doubling the income, you're turning around and selling them for a profit. Dude, it's just what we're doing with houses, on what what I think like with businesses, it's yeah. so freaking cool, man. Absolutely, and the way that I'm, we're generating leads for we're, we're cold calling for these businesses? locations. Yes, businesses, uh, nursing homes, apartment complexes, warehouses. You got to cold call these places. So. It's the same game as real estate if you're willing to hop on the phone and make those dials. As the more people you can reach, the more opportunity you'll have to get those machines in new locations. It sounds like of the businesses that you got into, three out of three, the first one was, you said it was your godfather who really introduced you to real estate. Then you said a fraternity brother's uncle gave you that mm -hmm. side business. And then a teacher's family member sold you this vending machine. Mm -hmm. Talk about how important the, your sphere of influence has been on just getting you these deals. Because it sounds like you're finding some awesome sweetheart deals just by being the guy that you are, which is a, a high value networker who's constantly out bringing value. Absolutely. I, I believe that what we're doing is uncomfortable. Being on camera, 
putting our it, it, it can be uncomfortable for a lot of people but the opportunity that it has provided me uh, being a resource to others telling people what I need the universe in return has has given me exactly what I've asked for so just by being a resource to others and and putting that out there hey I'm looking for this or this is what we're doing people have responded to that call because they know we're, we're working hard mm-hmm. and trying to achieve more so I tell people just whatever you're looking for whatever it is put it out there into the world and let the world tell you you know what it's going to give back to you we're going to cut the break right now so we're back from our break you guys we had technical difficulties khalil we want you to leave our listeners with one last piece of advice and tell everybody where they can find you where they can reach out take the floor yeah absolutely um i think my my only piece of advice that i can give to young entrepreneurs young professionals is to keep going uh don't allow yourself to be denied don't listen to the the negative thoughts inside your head and just wherever you're going through power through uh continue to plug and connect with like-minded individuals and seek them out seek out community uh get to know yourself better than anyone else and really like i said find that environment community of like-minded people uh you guys are all more than welcome to reach out to me on instagram facebook twitter at the realtor kd the realtor kd uh my dms are open follow the podcast at the ripoff and duplicate podcast and check out some of the stuff that we got going on over there as well Khalil, I think you've shared a super unique experience that nobody else on our podcast has. We are sorry we have to cut it a little short here, but we are super pumped that you came on. I think we're going to have to bring you back on and do a little bit more of a business deal analysis. Absolutely. Yeah, and do another podcast shortly. Do it. Absolutely. Yep. Thank you guys for having me, man. And short and sweet. <laughs> we love it, dude. dude. See you guys next week.